Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Now that lockdowns, or at least the most recent lockdowns, are starting to ease, we're emerging into a new world. A world where we might have to navigate some tricky social situations, like your son's best friend's parents who aren't yet vaccinated, or having a dinner party and asking close friends whether they've had both jabs. Either way, they can be awkward questions when you don't know the answer. Associate Professor Holly Seal is an infectious disease social scientist at the University of New South Wales. She's also a mother of two, which means she's probably got some insight into how we might handle these situations. Hi, Holly. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to to chat today. Holly, I am double vaxxed and I'm not shy about telling everybody that I'm vaccinated, that I support vaccinations and the science behind them. But now that I'm thinking about, you know, asking other parents about their status, I feel kind of shy, a bit embarrassed, a bit worried that I'm going to force some kind of awkward confrontation. Does that sound familiar to you? Have you found other people feeling similar ways? Yeah, look, and to be fair, this is a very new space that we're trying to to navigate now. And, you know, we haven't probably, you know, had to ask this question in the past. Maybe in situations where you've got family members who are unwell or who have chronic health conditions, you may have in the past asked about people's vaccine status to, to protect those people and their health. But, you know, for the vast majority of us, we probably haven't had to ask someone before. Mm. Oh, you know, when you said that, it just made me think, I do remember being particularly narky about whooping cough and whether people had had whooping cough vaccine, the vaccination before they came to see me in those first six weeks. Um, but I think I had a certain level of self-righteousness at that point that I don't feel now, which may be down to the fact that this is new. And that's true. And I think certainly we we do view babies and, and especially newborn babies in, in very different ways to maybe the adult space. And and certainly at that time, you know, with around whooping cough, there was there has been a that bit of advertising and, and promotion around knowing who's going to come in contact with your newborn and, and making sure that they were getting vaccinated. And I think there was resources made available to new mums to help them with asking family members to get vaccinated. And so that that's certainly a good example. Some people may be able to, to draw back on that. You know, otherwise, you know, we, we will have to navigate this easily and carefully going forward to try and, you know, minimise any uneasiness or people being put out that we are we are asking potentially what could be for some quite a personal question. So how do we ask it without stumbling into that kind of division and confrontation that we see everywhere now even before people are really socializing in big groups it's already kind of on our television screens isn't it? Mm, I think it's really important here to to let's think about context. So, you know, if it's a if it's someone that you're just going to be continuing to see online, you know, as a, a business contact, maybe why are you asking that person? 
you know, mm. are you only asking that person because you're just curious and you want to know whether or not they've received the vaccine? Well, then that's probably not an appropriate time to ask. And, and someone may be willing to share their experiences. For me, I suppose that what I feel most comfortable in doing is actually start by sharing information as opposed to going in and, and asking questions. So it may be that, you know, as part of organising to go out for dinner in the coming weeks, it may be as part of your text message to say, you know, I've received my two vaccines now, would love to catch up with you. If you are, you know, mm. also fully vaccinated, let's catch up. You let me know and then leave it open-ended like that. That's a good idea. Hadn't thought of it that way. And it kind of takes out that heat off somewhat. You know, if they say, look, no, you know, no is not the time. I'd, I'll catch up with you later in the year. Then, you know, you haven't pressured them to to actually disclose it. And, and you can then regroup with them. Other suggestions have been around framing this as this is the government actually requiring us to be vaccinated in order to go out. And so before we, we get to the restaurant or to the bar or, you know, even if you before you're coming to my house, I want to make sure that I'm compliant with the, the government. So can I please confirm that you are you you are vaccinated. So again, it's not going straight out and asking them their medical history, but instead framing it that it's around the, the government's regulations. Have you got any tips if you do go that gently, gently path, but then you get pushback because the person you're asking has a anti-vax stance where they're convinced that it's um, bad for them that we are part of the conspiracy because we got it done or do you know if you have a if you have a negative response have you got any suggestions of how to move forward keeping in mind of course that some situations aren't necessarily about you and your friendships it might be about your children and their friendships or it might be about having a cohesive workplace or you know, they're not always relationships we can choose to kind of distance ourselves from. So have you got any thoughts on how you might handle that situation? Yeah, look, that's, um, you know, that's really important. So firstly, just, you know, what we've been trying to remind people is that using words like anti-vax is not as helpful as it could be. So what we're trying to do is to kind of pull back from that language that may be a little bit stigmatizing and instead you know you may have those people who refuse the vaccine or we've got a group in the community who are still watching and waiting and what I like to say and, and refer to this group is very much the fence sitters that they're not necessarily a no and they're not necessarily a yes right now and so you may have friends who meet that box and so you know this is where a conversation actually may help with these friends or these family members who are still remaining uncertain about the vaccine. And so if you have someone within your network, there may be a, a couple of things that you have to do here. If you have a, a really good relationship with the person, if it's a family member or close friend, you may want to break the ice and, and start a discussion with the person around how they're feeling about the vaccines. And we know from the research that having peer-to-peer -peer conversations can actually be really powerful and can really help to nudge the person who's maybe uncertain about the vaccine onto a journey of considering getting the vaccine. 
you know, what we want to do with these these people is listen. We need to listen. So we need to ask a question, you know, something like, I noted that, you, you know, you haven't received the vaccine. Would you be happy to share your, your thoughts around the vaccine? Or, you know, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about the vaccine. And then we need to stop. And we actually need to let the person go through all of the, the reasons that they may be uncertain about the vaccine. And we don't want to cut in and we don't want to cut them off or we don't want to dismiss what they're saying because some of these concerns are things that the people may have a lot of emotion, emotional attachment to and, and issues that they feel that maybe they've done uh, you know, a lot of research on. And so by dismissing it, the person is probably going to be less likely to engage in further conversations, maybe not as willing to trust what you're going to say. And then that journey kind of comes abruptly to an end. So that's not going to help us. So instead, we want to we want to listen. We want to acknowledge what the person says. If I have a friend who says to me, oh, look, you know, these these vaccines, they just came about so quickly, you know, how do we trust them? How do we know what the potential long-term side effects are? So, you know, so if I had encountered a conversation like that, certainly what I would want to do is turn it around and, and say back to the person, hey, if I'm hearing you correctly, you've got some concerns or questions about the long-term side effects or, you know, did I get that right? You know, you, you, you're worried about the long-term side effects. That's the first thing we can do in terms of building trust with the person that we're actually wanting to, to talk to them about their issues as opposed to just piling on more information straight away. And so by opening it up like that, we're building trust. We're trying to build into this conversation. And and then we want to, to say to the person, look, would it be okay if we talk about this you know would you be willing to, to have a discussion with me again rather than just kind of rush in and and then and, and force more information at the person again we're just taking it step by step asking the person whether they're willing to, to to engage in a conversation so what you might want to do is just share your own experiences personal experiences storytelling again are really powerful ways of promoting health messages and health interventions what we call a you know, health intervention like a vaccine what do you say to those people though that are feeling a bit of empathy fatigue i know yeah. uh, in particular those that um, either live with or are frontline workers um, seeing the impact of this disease and and then they're just you know that it, what you were just saying there sounds very reasonable and completely appropriate but it also sounds like a lot of work that some people are just <laughs> yeah. not prepared to do you know look you know it what we're saying and, and what we're encouraging people to do is just to start this journey. You may not take the person the full way through to getting vaccinated if they do decide to get vaccinated. But what we want to do is get the nudges going. And what we're finding now, and especially in a community where, such as New South Wales, where we, we've got over 90% with our with our first dose, you know, we're, we're getting to the pointy end of our vaccine program is that, you know, some people in the group who remain unvaccinated, they may not have a lot of engagement with healthcare professionals. So they may not go to see their GP regularly. They may not go and see a pharmacist that often. And so it means then their opportunities for conversations with someone who's willing to, to listen and, to, and to, to talk with them are somewhat limited. And so this is where certainly we've been doing a lot of these workshops around 
communication with community leaders and with faith leaders to try and expand the people who are, you know, these vaccine ambassadors to help with getting into to communities where people remain unvaccinated. And again, you know, not every community has a, you know, someone they see as a community leader or they may not go with a, a faith. And so we still need a range of, of ambassadors. If you have a family member or a friend who doesn't accept the vaccine, you know, we may be in a point where we have to understand their space, respect their space, but also acknowledge that for the time being, that it may not be appropriate to catch up. Because I think that's the thing that's probably most concerning for parents is that children under 12 are still not eligible for vaccination. And so, you know, if your kid's best friend's parents aren't vaccinated, is it our responsibility as parents to stop our children playing? I mean, that sounds like, seems to me like a heartbreaking decision. Yeah, look, that does seem to be the extreme. But, you know, I, I suppose I'm a mum of two young kids, two young kids that won't be able to receive this vaccine for a while. And whilst we have seen, you know, certainly evidence that, you know, the risk of, of severe COVID is less in children. We do know it can happen and that there can be some risk for or some chance of, of children ending up being hospitalised. And there's also this concern around long COVID. So COVID symptoms that last for, for months and months to come and, and really that, you know, they're still trying to get their, their head around, you know, what this long COVID is. And so as a parent, you know, I am conscious of wanting to protect my young kids until they can get their vaccines too, which fingers crossed, you know, will be happening in the near future. So, you know, we have got this situation ongoing. And so right now, if I can be conscious of of the situations that you know I put them in. Um, you know I try and reduce you know how much they go into the to the shops at the moment. They will have interactions in school. That's part and parcel of it. We can't you know stop everything right now, but I we do know with COVID and particularly how it likes to transmit. It loves to transmit in the in the house situation in the, in homes, and so. If people have remained unvaccinated, it's unlikely I would invite them into my home for the for the time being. Instead, maybe what's more appropriate is to, to hit the local park, is to, to be in an outdoor area. So if you are still wanting to catch up with people and either they are not vaccinated or they haven't disclosed their vaccine status, then take that catch up into somewhere where you may be able to reduce the risk of spread to your family members who are unvaccinated until we, we, we are moved past COVID, or whatever that means. We just have to keep thinking about this. Holly, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. That's Associate Professor Holly Seal. She's a social scientist in infectious disease at the University of New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> 